I want to thank you for every opportunity to sing your praises, Lord. Thank you for what James has sung today. You are our living hope. Thank you for setting us free. Those of us who are born again today, Lord, know what it is to be set free by the power and the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, O oh God. And I pray, Lord, that over in Dagenham, when Ez and others who get up and share and speak about the power of the gospel, I pray you will just bless the ministry that takes place there, O oh God. Be you my brother, Lord, as he shares your word. May many, many people, I know, those who will go there will not be saved. They won't be going to a church, Lord. They'd never maybe even enter the church, but they will go into this place. And I do pray, Father, that they will hear the wonderful, wonderful gospel of God. I pray and transform lives will be seen today. Father, pray that you will be with uh, me now, Lord. Bless Kim's hands as she communicates truth to the deaf people. Pray that you will help me as I proclaim your word, Father, that your name will be honored, your name will be glorified. And Father, we pray this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, if you have your Bibles with you, then you might like just to open them again to um, our Bible reading, which was in Romans chapter 16. And as you know, I've been calling this message, um, this whole series, I've been calling it the Gospel of God. Now, uh, as we close this book, this letter to the Romans, we want to consider and think about our church anniversary. 129 years being church here in Loughton. And it's wonderful to look back and to think about how God has done a great work in this place. He's provided for this building, he's provided for the hall, provided for this church. But also, this church has known God's blessing as it sought to bless others outside. Places like Papua New Guinea, Zimbabwe, Kenya, Pakistan, Italy, Romania, France, has all had blessing coming from this church over the period of, of years. God has raised up strong, committed Christians, even in the past missionaries, have gone out from this place into other parts of the world to spread the good news. And though it's important to think about the past and to think about what this church Hidden away in, in, in England's lane here. Think about what he has done in the past. It's also, if not more important, to think about the present and the future. And as we think about the present and the future, we need to base this church on the gospel of Jesus Christ. No other gospel will do. Only one gospel. We need to base this whole church on the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel of God that we've seen in Romans. Verses that we have considered in Romans. And we look to them when the Bible says that God demonstrates his love to us in this. That while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Again, Paul says in Romans, what a wretched man I am. What a wretched, who can deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God 
through Jesus Christ our Lord. Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set me free. I am convinced, says Paul, that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth can ever set, separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. All of that and more is tucked away in the book of Romans. The gospel of God. And we need this gospel in order to go forward. Now, four words that I want to give to you this morning regarding our Bible reading. Four words that Paul will want to say that if this church is going to go forward, if you are part of this church and you are going to go forward, then Paul says there's four things, four words that is going to be very important for you to lock down and have in your mind. Four things. And it all springs from the last book of Romans that we just read. And so the first thing then I believe Paul wants a church to know in Rome and he wants a church to know here at Goldings. The first thing he wants, the word that he wants to, 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 to us to have in our hearts is division. Look what, the, what Paul says in his word, in the word of God. I urge you brothers and sisters to watch out for those who cause divisions and put obstacles in your way that are contrary to the teaching you have learnt. Keep away from them. Paul warns the church in strong words to watch out for those within the church that will cause division. This has always been the failings of the church all around the world. People think that because people sit in church and call themselves Christians, that they're all right. They think that because they can raise their hand and sing worship songs, and because they can be in church on a Sunday morning, we think they're, they're cool, they're Christians. But I want to tell you this morning, not everybody who sits in church is truly born again. Paul had this on his heart when he was speaking to a church in Ephesus. Look what he says to this church. He says this, I know that after I leave, Savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. Listen, his language here is very, very strong. Look what he says. Savage wolves, he says. He said that people in the church will not spare the flock. Why? Why would I do that? Why would I be in the church? Well, in order to draw men away from following Christ, but rather to draw them in order that they might follow themselves. You know, you are told, especially leading up towards Christmas, you're told to um, watch out for, for credit card fraud. You're told to make sure you cover your pin. 
you're told to not share your bank details with anyone else. Because if you do, then savage wolves will come into your bank account and will not spare you a penny. They will rip you completely off. And so we're told in the world to watch out financially. But I need to tell you in the church... There are men and women who want to ruin and destroy your faith in the church. Men and women who want to draw you away from Christ and to cause you to follow after them. Now you may say to me, well, why? Why on earth would anyone want to be in church, give their time to come on a Sunday, And seek to draw people away from Christ. Why would anyone want to do that? Who are they working for? Well, the Bible again answers that question. Look what what Paul says over in Corinthians. He says this. And no wonder. For Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. It is not surprising then if his servants also masquerades as servants of righteousness. Their end will be what their action deserves. There's a real battle for you this morning. Let me tell you that. There's a real battle for you out there. The devil wants to ruin your Christian life. The devil wants to stop you and stop others from being saved He's got all his tools out there and he wants to stop people from filling those empty seats that we see in our church. He wants people not to get into God's house. He is working 24 hours a day, seven days a week out there. But guess what? He's also working on a Sunday morning in the church. Not only is he out there, but Paul says, the word of God says, he's also working within the house. And the reason why, he does not want you to follow Christ. He does not want you to keep your eye upon Jesus. He would much rather you get steered away and do your own thing in the church and end up destroying your faith. That's what he would much rather do. You know, I was sent by a WhatsApp a message and, and, and a news story of 2016. A, a woman um, in Canada, she's a pastor called Greta Vesper, her name is, United Church in Canada. When a new story, she comes out as an atheist. She does not, she's a pastor, right? She does not believe in God. Now, here's the strangest thing. This is more crazy than the last statement. The church has let her keep her job. Let me get this right. This woman is meant to be leading the church, which is not what we understand it to be, and yet she has now come out as an atheist, and she still keeps her job. What is she doing? Who does she pray to? How does she help anyone to get closer to God? She doesn't believe in God. So what is she doing in the church in the first place? And yet, I want to tell you, this is not only happening in the front of the church, it's happening within the congregation, the church. People want to draw men after themselves and not follow Christ. Well, the question is this. 
How do you protect yourself from that? If you don't know how to protect yourself, if you don't know how to watch yourself, then you could be in danger of having your faith shipwrecked. If you don't know how to watch yourself, you can be in danger of following the wrong people. So how do you do that? Well, let's look in the Bible, because um, in Acts 17, it's a wonderful illustration of this. Here we have, uh, let me just read it to you. Now, the Bereans, Jews, were of more noble character than those in Thessalonica, for they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. Now, I love that verse. Paul was a great apostle. Paul was a great preacher. But when Paul was preaching, the people who were listening to him went away and they examined the word of God to see if the word of God that Paul was saying was true. They didn't take his word for it. No, no, no. They went back to the book themselves. That's the way, my dear friends. In order to protect yourself from men and women seeking to draw disciples after themselves, you need to go back to the book yourself. You need to pick up, as I say, that piece of paper that's on the desk there and begin to learn scripture for yourself. Start there. Start with what a wretched man I am. Start with the word of God for yourself. Start with there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Start with Romans 8.1. Go to Romans 8.29. Learn those verses. Get God's word into your life. Because Paul says he knows that men and women are going to come into church. And their main aim is to take your Christian faith and to redirect it somewhere else. That's their aim. And if this church is going to go forward for the next 10 years, then this church needs to be a church that is hanging on to God's word and God's word alone. You know, in the animal kingdom, the, um, the bird or the whatever animal that does it, I'm not sure there's many animals that do it, but what they normally do, they, they go away and they've got little babies in the nest and they go away and they, they feed the mother bird or the father bird, they go away and they, they eat and they come back to the, to the nest and then they vomit up the food, they bring the food that they had up. And they give that to the babies to eat. That's all right for the animal kingdom. But I'm telling you now, it's not all right for the word of God in this place. You don't want to have regurgitated food every single Sunday. You need to go and get fresh bread from heaven yourself. You need to go to a place. You need to learn how to find a place where God will speak to you from his word yourself. Never mind coming to church on Sunday saying, I haven't had anything. I want to just get what Jerry gives me. No, no, no. You don't need to get what I give you. You need to get something for yourself. That's what you need to do. Because in this way, and only in this way, will you be able to protect yourself from the men and women who come into church and seek to distort the truth and draw men away from Christ. 
So, watch out for division, number one, going forward. Second thing Paul says about going forward is serving. Again, he, he looks at these men and he says about these men, he says, for such people are not serving our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. These men are all over the Bible. I mean, you know, Paul speaks about them again over in, um, over in Philippians. He says this, for as I often told you before, and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomachs. And their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. Again, Paul turns around and, and says it again over in Jude. So not Paul, Jude says this. These people are blemishes at your love feast. Eating with you without the slightest qualm. Shepherds who feed only themselves. The question that must be asked going forward into another year. The question that if we're going to go forward for another 10 years. Who must we serve? Who must we serve? These people are serving themselves. They've got their own appetites. I don't know what they want. They might want money. They might want fame. They might want position. But they've got their own appetites. Who then do we serve if we want to serve in the church? There's only one person, my dear friends. If we're going forward, the only person that should be served in this church is Christ and Christ alone. He is the only person. Every time you encourage someone, you're serving Christ, not that person. Every time you pray with someone, you are serving Christ, not serving that person ultimately. Every time you strengthen someone, every time you give to something, every time you help in some way, you need to understand that the most important person you are serving is serving Christ. Kim's here signing. She's not just signing and serving the deaf. Her sign language is a service to Christ and Christ alone. My preaching is not my preaching in order to serve you. Ultimately, I have to be serving Christ. Because as soon as I stop serving Christ, I start pleasing man. And so, Paul turns around and says to this church, listen, these men are serving themselves. But if you want to see a church grow and thrive and get stronger, then learn to have it in your head that you serve the Lord Jesus Christ, whatever you do whether you worship and sing, whether you encourage, whether you cook, whether you clean, whatever you do in this house, you have to be doing it because you want to serve him. How do you serve? Some of you may say, I don't serve at all. The very fact, praise God, that I've been praying for the offering today and I thank God for the offering. Sometimes you go, some of you may not do anything else but come and say, Lord, I'm setting aside some money for your work. That's important. You're serving Christ for what you give. So, division. Be wary that if you're going to fall, if you're going to grow as a church, watch out for those who want to bring division within the church. Secondly, watch out 
how you serve. Who are you serving? And thirdly, the third word that I think Paul brings out on our Bible reading is this word um, wisdom. Wisdom. What he says here. Everyone has heard about your obedience. I rejoice because of you. But I want you to be wise about what is good and innocent about what is evil. On Wednesday night, we were speaking about the work of the devil and how he influenced our society. And in Isaiah, it says these words, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Those first line gives it right clear for you. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil. In other words, it's a terrible time for any country, for any church who look at what is good and say that it's evil and to look at what is evil and say, well, that's pretty good. It's a terrible thing. Now, the Lord encourages his people to start learning. Look what he says in Isaiah. Stop doing wrong. Learn. Learn. To do right. You see, when you're learning something, it's not automatic. It's not something that you do naturally. You have to learn to do something important. The Lord is saying, stop doing wrong. Learn to do what is right. And so Paul turns around and he says that he wants the church to be innocent about what is evil. He wants the church not to be clued up with wickedness, but to be innocent, not naive, but to be innocent to what is evil. I've got a friend, some of you know him, his name is Frank Sims, so you know this story. You can check it out with um, the guys who know Frank. But Frank will tell you this story in his testimony. After he spent some time in prison, Frank, he, um, he came out from prison being born again. He became a Christian. It's wonderful. He was saved. Out of a life of crime and drugs, God saved him and brought him into a new life. But one day, some criminal asked him to join him in the car and, and Frank went and sat down in this car with this guy. And this guy asked Frank a question. He asked Frank how to distribute drugs? How would he, would he do it? How would he parcel it? How would he get it out there? And Frank went back to his old life and, and told this guy how he would have done it. But what Frank didn't know that the conversation was being recorded by the police. And that conversation cost him another 10 years in prison. He will tell you that. That's what Paul was talking about when he says, I don't want you to be clued up with evil. I want you to leave your wicked life behind. And not going back to it. Not glorifying it. Not saying how wonderful it was. I want you to see that those things that you did in the past was in the dark. Was wicked and sinful and awful. And I want you to leave it there. And not be so clued up with it as it were. Not keep on bringing it up and sharing it as if you're, it's a badge of honor. I don't want you to do that. I want you to be innocent of wickedness. That's what he's saying. Too often people get born again 
and they become Christians and they've got a new life. But they like to go back and drag out the old life. No. Don't be, be innocent to what is evil and wicked, but to be wise to what is good. To have a PhD in goodness. How about that? Don't sound very exciting, does it? Don't sound very exciting to learn to be good, because in our world, it's always good to be bad, isn't it? Uh, the old Michael Jackson song that rings in my head, I'm bad, I'm bad, you know it. We like that kind of song. I don't think Michael Jackson would have sold a lot of songs if you had a song, I'm good, I'm good, you know it. Don't think that will have a good ring to it. But our society don't want goodness. But God says for his church, get a PhD in being good. Well, you might say, well, how, how can I get a PhD in being good? Listen to the word of God. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord. How can I get a PhD in being good? I'll tell you. How about fearing God? How about putting him up there in the highest place? How about turning to him and saying, Lord, what would you have me to do? How about having the fear of God in your life? Instead of dragging back the things in your past, God does not want you to have the wisdom of wickedness. He wants you to be innocent of that. Forget that. Leave that to one side. But I want to tell you how to be good. How to honor God. How to honor Christ. Let me just wrap up this message now with a final word that I believe comes out from Romans. Obviously, if you're going to go forward as a church, God said, watch out for those who will come in and bring division. They're not serving Christ. They're serving their own appetites. They're serving themselves. They want to draw men after themselves. Watch out for that. He turns around and he said, well, not only um, uh, watch out for them, but who are you serving? You shouldn't be serving yourself. You should only be serving Christ. Everything you do, if no one says to you, thank you for cleaning the church, thank you for coming, thank you for welcoming people, thank you for, 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 for giving to this organization, thank you for, if no one thanks you, it doesn't matter, because your praise and your thanks are going to come from heaven. I don't want anyone saying to me, thank you for your sermon, Jerry. It's not important. I've got my praise. I only want to hear Jesus say to me, well done, thou good and faithful servant. That's all I want to hear. That's all of what you want to hear as well. Well done. You've done well. You've fought the fight. You've finished the race. You've kept the faith. Well done, good and faithful servant. He said, look, no one knows me. Nobody recognized me. Don't worry. I've seen you. I've recognized you. And I've marked it down. Well done, good and faithful servant. So the final word, really, that I want to leave with you from the word not only the wisdom that God wants you to have, but also victory. Look at this wonderful verse. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. 
while learning to do good and to hate and despise evil, the Bible says that we will share in Christ's victory. You see, the promise was made way back in the garden. Some of you might remember Adam and Eve when they sinned against God, when they rebelled against God. The Lord spoke to the devil. He spoke to Satan. And God spoke to him and said this, And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. This was in Genesis. This was pointing right in the beginning of the Bible. This was pointing right down to the corridor of time, pointing to the gospel, pointing to the point when Jesus Christ will come. All the way from Genesis, it was pointing to the day when Jesus will be on the cross. And yes, the devil, Satan, did strike his heel. Jesus Christ did die on that cross. But on the same cross, it was that cross that Jesus crushed the head of Satan. It was on that same cross that Jesus triumphed over Satan. It was on that cross that Jesus had victory over Satan. The very cross that nailed him there, the very cross that where he died, that same cross gave Jesus Christ complete and total victory over the devil. Praise be to God. And now, and now what Paul is saying, you can share in that victory. Back in that verse again, it says, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. He's already been crushed on the cross, but now you, as a church, can share in Christ's victory. Well, you say, well, how can I share in Christ's victory? How can I share in it? Well, Paul says in Ephesians, look what he says. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church. Here he is. Just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. Do you know this church, one day, you and me, are going to have complete victory over the devil. He wants to make us look like horrible, wretched sinners. But one day, one day, because of the cross, we are going to be presented to Jesus Christ without stain, without wrinkle, without blemish, Without sin, we will be totally, 100% holy. Yes, it hasn't happened yet, but one day, one day when Christ returns again, you and I will no longer be struggling with sin, no longer be struggling with, with, with having temptation and being defeated again and again. Because of what Christ has done on the cross, Satan will be crushed. And guess what? We too will join in that victory. We will stand with Christ, no longer being tempted by Satan.
no longer being pulled about, no longer being slapped around, no longer being, 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 being tempted and dragged into sin. No, 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 no. We will be without spot, without wrinkle, without blemish, holy. That is the plan for God's church. And my dear friends, if you want to be in that plan, then you need to put your hand, your life, into the hands of Christ. No point in just coming into church and sitting here. If you want to be blameless, if you want to be holy, if you want to share in Christ's victory, then put yourself in the hand of Christ. And this is what God will say to you. He says this in ISI 1, Come, let us settle the matter. Come, let us reason together. Though your sins be as red as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be as red as crimson, though your sin be as black as night, any description you want to put to it, though your sin be wicked and dark and you be so ashamed of yourself, guess what? Put yourself in my hands, says the Lord Jesus Christ, and I will make you spotless. I will wash you. I will cleanse you that you will have victory and Satan will be crushed underneath your feet. That is if you draw near to him. My dear friends, my prayer for you and for this church is that we will see another 10 years. We will see another 129 years. My prayer is that if you commit yourself to Christ, never mind commit yourself to a church, if you commit yourselves to Christ, if you put your your life into his hands, then all the wrinkles that you have in your life, all the blemishes, all the darkness, all the filth, all the wickedness, everything that's in you at the moment, the Lord will be working in order to present you one day to God. Completely, totally pure and holy. That is the message. That ends the book of Romans. And that should send this church going forward saying, Lord, I want to place myself into your hands. Lord, I want you to take me. Take me just as I am. I've got nothing to offer you, Lord. I've got no wealth. I've got no talent. I've got nothing to offer you. But Lord, I give you myself. Take me just as I am, oh God. And transform me into the man, into the woman that you want me to be. And with that, let us pray. Father, I thank you that you are at work in this place. Father, my prayer, oh God, is that you will touch every single man and woman in this church, Father. Every single head that is bowed before you, I pray, oh God, that you put a desire in our hearts, a desire to know you, a desire to draw close to you. A desire to put our lives into your hand. That you might transform us. That you might change us. That you might be the Lord. Within our own hearts and lives. That we might share in your victory. So Father, 
Help us, we pray. Lord, we are harassed by the enemy. Satan seemed to harass us in our homes, harass us in our workplaces, harass us even in the church. But Lord, we thank you that in you we can have victory. And I pray, Lord, that you might work powerfully, wonderfully in this church. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.